Good to see you guys here at Mile City Online. My name is Maya, and I'm so glad to be with you. I want to take a minute to just give a shout out to all the dads. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Thank you for what you do uh, in whatever lane that you do it. We are so thankful for you. So today we're in this series, Winning the War in Your Mind, and this is week three. And, you know, I wonder for myself and for you guys watching, you know, for those of us living this life that seems to be okay, how many of us find ourselves focusing on the negative? Life's pretty decent. I know there's ups and downs for everybody and they're all different, but maybe we still have food, we have a home, we have somebody that loves us, but we still find ourselves complaining. We still find ourselves focusing on the negative instead of the positive. Why is that? Why do we have the tendency to go focus on the negative instead of what is going on in our life that's great? Well, I think in order for us to understand why we do that, we have, to understand, we have to look at what we know about our mind. And what we know about our mind is that our mind is a battlefield. Wars are won and lost in our mind. In fact, Scripture tells us a little something about our mind here in Proverbs 4.23. Let's take a look. It says, be careful what you think, for your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think, for your thoughts run your life. In other words, what it's saying is the life that we have is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. The life that we have is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. What comes into our mind tends to come out in our life, right? If we're constantly thinking negative thoughts, or we're constantly, constantly complaining, it's almost impossible to have a positive outlook. If we're just bringing in bad, how can we think anything good? How can we do that? Well, I want us to review this key thought uh, kind of about this mindset here uh, in the book 2 Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul tells us what's going on there. So let's take a look here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Let's go to the next slide. Let's take a look. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So one word I want to focus on real quick is the word stronghold. What is a stronghold? Well, stronghold is a wrong pattern of thinking. Many of us are held hostage by the lies that we believe, right? We all have thoughts in our minds that kind of trick us, that make us think something that's not true. Many of, many of us have lies that went through our heads that, aren't true, right? We believe these thoughts that tend to kind of skew our vision to make us see something or perceive something that's not actually real. And so as we go to the other part of this verse, right, it says, it says this, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, right? And so we can take captive. So the truth, the truth, if we can let go of the stronghold, right, it demolishes the arguments. It, is, it demolishes the lies. And so we can tend to take these captive, these thoughts captive, right? We can take them captive and we can get, make them obedient to God, right? We can start to change our mindset because God is there to help us change our mindset. It helps us take these captive and make them obedient to Christ. So my question to you as we continue is this. What mental strongholds are going on in your life? What are the lies that are going on in your head? What are the wrong patterns of thinking that you have going on right now that you need to make obedient to Christ? Today we're talking about defeating your negative thoughts. And we're going to look at how holding on to the truth and claiming those thoughts and making them obedient to Christ can help us. 
But before we dive in, let me pray for us real quick. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth of your word, Lord, that you equip us with all the things that we need to walk through this life, even though life may sometimes not be easy, Lord, that you are there to walk with it, uh, walk through it with us, God. We thank you, thank you for the truth of your word, the way that you love us, Lord, and that you care about every part of us, and that you, because of you, God, that we can have a clear thought, and that we can have joy because of who you are and because of what you've done. Lord, just be with us today. We love you so much, and it's your name we pray. Amen. So, over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about the power of the mind and how God created it and how complex it is and just and crazy insane it is. You know, and what's interesting about the mind here is that there are these things that happen in our mind called neural pathways. That's right, say it again. Neural pathways. Now, what is a neural pathway? Well, let's see what a neural pathway is. What's interesting about a neural pathway is a neural pathway is uh, anytime you think a new thought, right, any thought at all, a new pattern or a pathway is created. So you think this thought, a pattern or pathway is, uh, is created. And what happens here is the more often you think this thought, the easier it is to think that thought again, right? Habit, habit, habit. I think a thought, I think a thought. I think something negative and then I think it again. And it's so much easier to think that negative thought. And so that's what a neural pathway is. It's a new pattern that's created every time you think a new thought. Well, let's expand on that idea and introduce what to some of us may be a new, a, new, a, new, a new idea at all. Maybe it's the first time we've ever heard this. And so I want to talk about what's called a mental bias. So these neural pathways continue to happen and then it kind of flows into this what, what, what's called a mental bias or a mental filter. Now what is a mental filter, right? A mental filter is simply this. It's a mistake in reasoning based on what you've experienced or what you prefer. In other words, if you grew up and something really bad happened to you, you had this negative thing happen. Maybe for some of you, for example, you grew up in a home where there was an abusive man or abusive woman. And you were mistreated. And, and, and that's so sad that, that, that sometimes that that's a reality. But you've had that experience. And now you're growing and, and you're walking through life. Or maybe you're still experiencing that. Well, then anytime you interact with a man or a lady, you kind of have this mental filter happen, this mental bias that happens. And then be, even if that person's good and nothing's wrong with them, right, you make this inaccurate judgment about someone that is around you. You have this mental filter, this mental bias. Or maybe you grew up with parents who talked bad about people who were wealthy, right? Oh, they're not making their money, honestly. Oh, they can't be nice. They're evil. Oh, money's no good. But then you grow up and you start to be a little successful yourself. And all of a sudden you feel guilty or ashamed. That's not true. But the mental filter that you develop through the neural pathway makes you believe that. How you frame it determines how you see it. How you frame it determines how you see it. So here's something that you can use. I've used many counselors use it. And it is called reframing. And here's the simple definition of reframing. Let me read it to you. Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or a relationship by changing its meaning. It's simply creating or interpreting it in a different way and having the meaning completely changed. For example, let's say you wake up, right? And you determine ahead of time that the day is going to be a bad day. Now, if you frame the day like this, 
You can say very easily, it's going to be a hard day. Work's going work's to stink. There's going to be too much paperwork on my desk. My coworkers are a pain in the butt. My car stinks. It doesn't even run right. I probably have a terrible lunch. This day is going to be terrible. But you can reframe it. And instead, you could say, hey, I got a lot going on today. But it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Things are going to get done. You know, the people that work with me help me get other things done. I'm thankful that I even at least have a car to get to work, to have this job, to provide this money, to provide this food, to provide this house. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to grind it out. We're going to get a lot done. See, it's not the facts that change, but it's how you frame it. It's not the facts that change, it's how you frame it. I'm afraid that even there are some people, me included, that have done this at some point where we start to frame even God. We're no longer framing our circumstances, but we start to frame even God by saying, I don't like what's going on, God. I don't like, what's, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the way my life's going. Rather than looking for the goodness of God in the day. I mean, but what the heck? How can we even do I mean, truthfully, what do we even know about life anyways? We can't control what happens to us, right? We can't control the circumstances of our life or the good things that happen or the bad things that happen all the time. God is in control of that. But there's good news. The good news is that you can control how you frame it. You can control how you frame it. All right, what I want to do right now is just slow down for a minute and ask you, this thing about your life right now. I want you to think about the expectations that you had in your mind. And I want to ask you this question. How many of you wanted something in life, but right now are experiencing the exact opposite? How many of you wanted something in life, you dreamed about it, and you experienced the exact opposite? I know in some points that I have done that. And really what I was doing is, is, is really questioning God. How many of you are experiencing the exact opposite? There's somebody in the Bible, we've been talking about him today a little bit, the Apostle Paul, who knows exactly about what it feels like to experience the exact opposite of what he dreamed of. The story is incredible because really all the Apostle Paul wanted to do was preach the gospel. He had a heart for God and that was it. He wasn't at all distracted by the things of this world. He was, he was just focused, laser focused on preaching the gospel and had a heart for God and that was it. See, Paul wanted to go to Rome. That was his dream. His dream was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He thought, man, if I can just get to Rome, if I can just preach the gospel, that'll be like the epicenter. And man, if the gospel gets preached there, it will go out into the world. People will carry it. And I want to do that. That was Paul's bucket list. That was the top of his prayer list. Those were the things that occupied his mind. That was he, that's what he was like hard set on doing because he felt like that's what his call from God was. He wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel. Well, Paul got to Rome. But it didn't look exactly like he thought it was going to be. You see, instead of preaching the gospel out into the center of, this, of Rome, all throughout the people, Paul was a prisoner waiting in prison with almost an execution sentence on his life. And he had everything he wanted, actually, but it was, looked different. It was framed a totally different. So Paul's in prison in the city he wanted to be in law and in the city he wanted to be his entire life, but he's in prison, chained with a possible execution. 
And so Paul could have framed this thing on the negative side very easily, right? This is what he could have said and framed it that way. Let's look at it. So we're going to look at Philippians 1, you know, verse 12 through 13. And we're going to be in the NWV. And that stands for the New Winers Version. And he could have said this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of all the hell I've been through, I'm quitting my Mile City group or my coaching group and I'm never going back to Mile City. He could have said that in the NWV, the New Winers Version. Now for those of you who are new to church, I just want to set something straight because I don't want you to look in through like, where's that New Winers Version? That kind of is how I feel about life right now. It's not real. I made it up. But he easily could have reframed it to say that. He could have said, man, this thing stinks. It's not real. This thing looks exactly the opposite of how I dreamed. And life is going down the tubes. But here is really what he said. Here's the real verse. And here's how Paul framed it. Let's look at this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me, me being in prison, has served to advance the gospel. I mean, do you know why he said that? Here's why Paul said that, because even though Paul's situation in Rome looked different than he originally pictured it, Here's how it went. Paul was prisoned to a prison guard. He was chained to a prison guard for eight hours. And after that eight hours, a new guard came and got chained to Paul. And after that, a new guard came and got chained to Paul. Every eight hours, a new guard came. So who's the real prisoner? It was the guard probably because every eight hours, a new prisoner came and they had to stay chained to Paul and hear an eight-hour testament of how good God is. See, Paul could have seen it negatively, but he didn't. He saw that God actually even made this more powerful than standing in the center of the city and said he was getting to preach a specific sermon of how good Jesus is to a guard that had to hear it. He couldn't leave. He had no escape route. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. How many of us, how many of us are, are in this situation where we're seeing things negatively? There's something I, that has really helped me to look at, and I hope that it helps you too. Let's, let, let's put up this picture here. Well, for you, that just looks like a storm, right? That's what it looks like to me too. But visuals always help me, and the hope is that it helps you too. You see, what Paul did is he took what could have been negative and he framed it to be positive, right? So, what do you know? I got a frame. <laughs> Convenient, right? So, Paul could have been over here, right, in this dark thing. Man, I'm in prison. Things are looking different than, they, than I thought they were going to be. This is terrible. But instead, he came over here. And he's in this light. He's trusting God. He's going, God, thank you for blowing my expectations out of the water. Now I get to preach to someone specifically. Man, the food is terrible. God is the bread of life. I got God. That's all I need. Hey, how come I'm not in front of more people? You don't need to be in front of more people. I got you in front of the people that are intended to hear the gospel straight from you. Maybe for you, family is bad. Man, my family's so rough. My kids are a pain in the butt. I don't even feel like my wife and I even have a good marriage anymore. But instead of staying here, what if you go, God, thanks for the gift of my children. I know they're hard, but you've given me a great responsibility to love them. And I'm so excited. And my wife, 
She is such a hard worker and she is a gift from God. And even though things may be tough, she's 100% worth fighting for because it's a gift from you, God. My job stinks. I get a paycheck. My car doesn't run. It gets me to my job. It may not have air conditioning. You got windows. I think it's still positive. Either way, we can, re, we, can, we can frame this from here to there and we can see God all through it. We can reframe our, the things that are happening in our life. We can reframe from what we think we're seeing to really a, a great circumstance that God has us in. You know, there's, in every circumstance we can learn something. And the fact is, is that God is in all circumstances. We just have to get to the point where we stop being disappointed with our plan and we start being excited about his plan. We stop seeing the negative because of our preconceived notions. We start seeing the positive because God did something that we totally didn't expect and it's so exciting. As we talk about reframing, I want to give us three specific tools to help us renew our minds and win the war in our minds so God can change our thinking, which can change our life if God doesn't. First one is I'm thankful for what didn't happen. Being thankful for what didn't happen. Now you might be like, what the heck? Uh, that doesn't make sense. How am I thankful for what didn't happen? Let me give you an example here of being thankful for what didn't happen. There's a 20-year-old girl sat down. Mom, Dad, I've got really bad news to tell you. I need you to sit down, she said. Let me tell you the whole story. I just want you to stay calm, but it's really bad news. I went out to a bar, met a guy, drank too much. He came back to my apartment, we hooked up, and I'm pregnant with his baby. The good news is, is his probation will be over in a year, and he's thinking about marrying me. But as soon as he has rehab, he won't have any money, and so we're going to move in together and probably live in your basement. What the heck? If my daughter came up and said that to me, can you imagine? I'd be freaking out. Of course she'd be saying, calm down, Dad, calm down. I'd be like, what the heck? But here's the truth, she said. That's not it. I got a D on my chemistry exam, and I just wanted you to know it could be a whole lot worse. It's true, right? Things could be a whole lot worse. And I don't understand, I, and I don't, I don't understand all the struggles that everyone is going through. And I'm not going to pretend to because I have my own struggles. You have your own struggles. There are hardships in all of our lives. But... Sometimes we need to be thankful for what didn't happen. For me, specifically what didn't happen, <laughs> that was my kid's life right now. I don't know what that would be for you. Maybe it's your goal at work. Maybe it's the target bonus you missed. Maybe it's feeling devastated by what didn't happen. But the fact is, is that God protects us. God's plan is better than our plan. His ways are different than our ways. And so sometimes it's really nice to thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what did happen in the situation you're in and for him keeping you from harm. The second thing is pre-framing, practicing pre-framing. Now pre-framing is deciding how you're framing a situation before you engage in the situation. Why does this matter, right? It matters because our thoughts and our frames, our thoughts or frames often shape what we experience. Not just how we experience, but what we experience. If you go in and say, this is going to be horrible, I hate the people in my life, life is so dull, more than likely that's how life will be. 
because you can't see past it. But if we go in and say, I know it's hard. Here's how things are happening. But it's happening. It's okay. The way you frame it often changes the way you perceive it. So practice pre-framing. Pre-framing. The third part is you can look for the goodness of God. You will find what you're looking for. If you look for the good, you can find the good. If you look for the bad, you'll find the bad. If you want to see what's wrong every single day, you can find what's wrong every single day. If you want to not like people, you cannot like people. There's a ton of reasons to not like people. They cut you off. They get in your way. They're rude. They don't say thank you. Maybe they give you a weird look. Maybe they say something rude. There's a ton of reasons why you cannot like people. But, but if you want to look for God, if you want to see faith, if you want to see the best you can, look for the goodness of God. It's like the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. I know that doesn't even compare to God. But vultures, they scour the air and they just look for roadkill. They look for dead animals. They look for whatever's on the road. But hummingbirds, hummingbirds will fly around and they'll look for something sweet. They will find the sweet things in life. If you want to see what's wrong, if you want to see what's bad, if you want to see what's not working, what's wrong with the world, you can live a really depressed, negative life. And it's very easy to do that. Because lots of things happen that we can't control and that we don't necessarily like. But if you want to look for where God is working, you can see he's still on the throne and he is still good. He is still powerful. He still answers prayers. It's called mental reframing. And mental reframing is empowering you to decide the meaning of an event. But let's take it up a level. Let's just not do mental reframing. But what if we decide to let Jesus decide the meaning of our situation? Let Jesus frame it for us. Let Jesus frame it for us. I want to tell you a little story about a girl. Here is a, a, a picture of this girl. And so maybe some of you are watching and you think, who is this? Who is this girl? Uh, well, maybe you notice her from this next picture a little bit better. Let's take a look. That is a girl. Her name is Nightbird, and she won the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent in this new season. That was Simon Cowell's golden buzzer. So her name is Nightbird. That's what they call her when she performs. But Travis and I know her as a girl named Jane Marcheski. Take a look at this. So here's Travis, here's me, and here's Jane. So Jane uh, went to a church that we uh, went to in Columbus when we were both living there. And um, we played worship together. She played so many worship psalms uh, with us. She was a local musician in the area. And so that is Jane hanging out there. Well, uh, if, you, if you didn't see her story on America's Got Talent, she won the, the Golden Buzzer because she's a great singer, a great artist. Um, God really gifted her with those skills. But she has a story about cancer. So Jane is 30 years old. In 2017, she got diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. And that was obviously a shock to her world, a jolt to her world. And uh, Jane went through all the treatments to help get her better. She went and had these GoFundMe started by friends and loved ones. People raised money for her. And she went through chemotherapy and it got better for a little bit. Well, round two came, unfortunately. Round two came of cancer. So Jane had to go through all the things, right? Double mastectomy going through all the chemotherapy, all the uh, advanced treatments, the experimental treatments to help her get better. And yet again, people who loved her came around her and kind of supported her, gave money. And so Jane got better for a little bit. Jane 
got to bout three. Janice had three bouts of metastatic cancer. And this last time, uh, the doctor went uh, in 2019, came into Jane's room, right? Started in 2017. 2019, the doctor came into the, into the room and told Jane, Jane, you have three to six months to live. Three to six months to live. In the midst of all this, when that three to six month diagnosis came, when that news came that she has three to six months to live, Jane's husband also decided he didn't want to be married to her anymore. And so Jane's husband divorced her. Where would you be in that situation? For me, I'd be down on the floor, the bathroom floor, devastated. My life's going to end. I'm 30 years old. My loved one, my spouse just left me because they didn't want to be married anymore. See, it would be really easy for Jane to frame this situation in a negative way. And she talks about it in several interviews, which I would encourage you to look up. She talks about her hardship, where she was at. How could she be this? She's a young girl. I have so much life ahead of me to live. And yet the news was devastating. She went through all those emotions. But she didn't stay there. It's really easy to stay in those moments because they're negative and we focus on the negative and they can be tragic. But she allowed God to reframe her story. See, Jane won America's Got Talent. When she did that, she was 87 pounds. Barely able to stand and sing that song. It's okay. This quote by Jane is, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. See, Jane got to a place where she allowed God to reframe her story and she was no longer sitting in the negative, but thinking about what God had allowed her to live to this point and how much more he will allow her to live. She doesn't know, but she knows there's a little bit. See, scripture talks about this uh, a little bit more specifically. In Ecclesiastes, it says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. See, what Jane was saying, Jane loves Jesus. What Jane was saying is, I can't wait for everything to be okay before I start to find the joy that's found in Jesus. See, happiness we talk about is fleeting, it's circumstantial, but joy is forever. And so we can't wait for life to be the way we dreamed it, the way we imagined it, before we start resting in God, before we start allowing God to be the joy of our life. Jane had another quote that she said, uh, in her interview, and it's less of a quote and a statistic. I have a 2% survivability rate, but 2% is not zero. She went on to, when she finished that line, she said, I have 2%, but 2% is not zero. And that's what I want everybody to know. 2% is not zero. God is alive. God is real. God wants the best for you. 2% is not zero. She allowed God to reframe her circumstances. Now, as you're watching this, maybe you're sitting here going, okay, great. Reframe a, a job, reframe a marriage, reframe kids, reframe even the hardship of cancer. But what if I need to reframe my whole life? What if I, what, what if I need to reframe everything about my life? How do I do that? Well, the good thing is there's a way to do that. It starts with focusing on God. There's something I want us to take a look at here at this bottom line. See, what, the difference between focusing on negative and focusing on positive and allowing God to reframe you is that when we allow God to reframe our situations, we no longer interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances or the negative things going on, but we start interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. 
See, we no longer, we no longer think about happiness through our circumstances, but we think about joy that comes in God. And then we, we have this mind shift and God shifts our mind and he takes away the negative thoughts and that war begins to be won because we no longer interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances, but we interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God, through the filter. That becomes our new mental filter. So for those of you wondering, how do I reframe? There's a way to do that. And maybe you're here today, you're like, I'm at that point. I need to reframe my whole life. I need, I need to get to the point where this needs to be different. Well, God says that in him is new life. The old ways that become new. Our old thoughts don't have to be our new thoughts. So if that's you, if you're in that spot where you need, you're, you're thinking, I just need to reframe it all. I just want to walk you through a conversation. I want to walk you through a prayer. There's nothing magic about these words, but it's about the change inside of our hearts. It's about the spot that you're at that you want to trust Jesus with your life. So if that's you in your spot, just close your eyes with me and just repeat uh, this prayer with me in these words. God, I know that I am imperfect. I know that I've been living this life away from you. Father, and I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son down to earth to die on a cross for me so that I no longer had to be separated from you, but that I could have a new life in you, an eternal life. Father, today I believe that you love me, that you want me. And today, God, I wanna give my life to you. I wanna allow you to be the one that reframes my life. And I wanna put my faith in you and love you forever. with your eyes still closed. If you did that today, I just want to tell you that there's a party going on in heaven for you. Scripture tells us that when you put your faith in Jesus and you commit your life to him, that you'll spend eternity with him in a place designed specifically for you. God, we love you today. We thank you for those who committed their life to you. Father, thank you for caring for us so much that you care enough just to, about every detail of our, of our lives, that even in the midst of our hardships, even in the midst of us being angry with you, that you still love us, Lord, and that you want to reframe our lives, that we can see and start to filter lives through you instead of through our circumstances. God, thank you for today. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, if you made that decision today, I just want to encourage you not to walk alone in that. It's really important for us to walk together. And so if you made that decision today, I want you to do one thing. I want you to follow the instructions on the screen. And I want you to text the word Mile City to 94,000 and follow the prompts for faith move. And all that's going to do is allow one of us here on staff to contact you and to start that conversation, to walk alongside you because God created us to be together, not to do this alone. And you just made a really awesome decision. And so if you did that, please make sure you do that. Well, the band's going to lead us through a song called It's Okay. It's a song that Jane sang on America's Got Talent. And it's about life being okay because she has Jesus. That no matter the bad things, if we filter our lives through God, that it's okay no matter what comes our way. So as the band leads us, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to take a minute to think about where in my life do I need to have Jesus reframe? Changed my name thinking that it would change my mind. 
Okay, it's okay, it's okay If you're lost, we're all in lost And it's 